never know what to expect with better buddies. Hello, and welcome back to Better Buddies. I'm your host, RJ. With us this week, it's James. Hello. Our Better Buddies icebreaker this week that I'm definitely not pulling out of my ass. Uh, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. ha, what is a, your favorite graphic novel you've ever read? Oh. Oh, that's such a good question. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm assuming you're not counting manga in this, correct? Yeah, why not? It's it's really why not? Oh, oh man. Okay, I know exactly what I'm going to say. Then I okay. I don't have a specific one because I can't remember like the actual names or whatever. But whatever the original Pokemon manga. Are you talking was. about Pokemon Adventures with Poke with Red? Yes. It's yeah, the Pokemon one... Adventures. Is that it? Okay. And. Did it's, you know that series kept going? Is it still going today? It's still going today. They went through all the games. So, like, they went through red and blue and yellow and ruby and sapphire and emerald and they diamond and pearl and, like, the series kept going. Yeah, dude, I loved this. I loved this when I was a kid. You can buy them at Barnes and Noble. Oh, I know. That's where I got them. That's where I I I read the um, I read the Mystery Dungeon one. I read the one with mm-hmm. yellow. I I read some of the ones with red, obviously, and green, and blue, and the Elite Four. I forgot that the Elite Four were like assholes. Sorry, yeah, they're well. They're like conspiracy theorists. They're like no, they're and, not conspiracy theorists. They are the conspiracy. <laughs> they are. They're like a shadow government, <laughs> like just making because they're like I forget what the main plot line in those early ones was, but it was like to resurrect so, kind of this like unnamed legendary, like a Lugia or something. Yeah, wasn't the it? main or, plot line. With, so the red stuff was all the Team Rocket and Mewtwo. And yes, with like the four gym leaders that were members of Team Rocket and doing their things. And then after mm-hmm. that all concluded, Red went and became champion, but he vanished. And then Yellow's story was kind of tracking down where the hell did Red go? Because Pikachu came back to Professor Oak and was the only person to return. So mm-hmm. Yellow and Pikachu ran around the com- country trying to figure out where Red went. And meanwhile, the Elite Four were trying to resurrect, like, or trying to summon Lugia. Yes, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, I just, um, I really, I, that's, it's like all flashing back to me right now. Um, I just, I loved the, it's funny too, because I remember as a kid going to the, the public library there were a bunch of graphic novels that I used to get that like I don't remember the names of. It's it's I won't it's like it's hard too because it's like I remember like flashes of photos and images from them, but I don't know their names. So it's like I can't find them. It's weird having yeah. like the memory of these images, but never be able to like know, like remember exactly. But um, these like Pokemon manga, the initial ones, like I loved, I love the art style. I forget. I want to look up really quick, like the name of the guy. Cause I think he's actually like, he was a guy who did a lot of art for Pokemon Satoshi Yamamoto. That's it. Yep. Um, well, it was just so oh, such a good series. Like, had a good engaging story. It was entertaining to children without talking down to them. It was subtly dark and brutal where like straight up an Arbok just gets hit with like acid and dies. Like you see it <laughs> cut in half. Holy shit, really? I yeah, totally dude. forget about that. 
I totally in the ghost tower. This. Oh um, my god. Like green, oh, she wait. was an ass she was a thief. Yeah, that's right. She she stole a bunch of stuff. So like um, And the art style was just really fun too. It, no, like I, I like. I'm sorry because I'm lost right now in this like Wikipedia article. But you're you're right. Like I do remember those. Like the, um, it, this is like I don't mean to get too like old fogey on this, but I think that is what people like kids growing up with like Pokemon as this kind of you know, the games are a little bit more fully realized now, right? Like yeah, it's it's you know your characters are 3D and like there's just more graphics kind of involved. And like, I think that's pretty cool. Cause like, as a kid, like I love that type of stuff, especially for like Pokemon Coliseum or like, uh, X, you know, yeah. XD Gale of darkness, like that type of stuff. I thought was just like seeing Pokemon in 3d. was like the coolest thing in the world. I will say though, like I do think the benefit of like the earlier Pokemon games with them just being the sprites. And then you had all this other tying material was like, yeah, you're watching the sprites and the sprites themselves are like, I think genuine, like little works of art. They're very fun, but it's like, because of the limited movement and sort of the actual, like, like the, the sort of like constrained expressive capacity of that kind of just little, those little pixels, like, you, you because lose a as a kid imagination you do right like like and, and and like with all the tie-in material whether it was the manga or the show the shows or the movies or whatever like as a kid like you were playing this little you know pixel game but you were seeing like on top of it this other world and i'm not gonna say that that's like totally lost because of updated graphics like i really don't think it is i think that type of imagination will follow you wherever but i do think like the 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 more you close that gap like the less you have to sort of make the jump you know what i mean and like sometimes making the jump is like the fun part of the game to a degree um but anyway like yeah, those would probably be my favorite graphic novels if we're counting manga as that because it was just like really well, like really well drawn. Like you're saying, like great stories. It added this like kind of gritty realism uh, to the world and just really, really cool. So I would say, I would say Pokemon Adventures. I'm going to go with, I'm a little torn right now and I'm debating between two that I have on my shelf and I'm looking at them. One mm-hmm is Batman The Dark Knight Returns. It was the graphic novel that uh, Batman vs. Superman was took inspiration from. But mm. it's Batman is an old man. He's like 60. And the powers that be have gotten worse and taken control. And finally, Batman's like, mm, I'm coming out of retirement. Fuck this. Fuck that. Fuck everything. And he's a very grumpy old man about it but he proceeds to kick the shit out of everybody and bring back vigilanteism. And then the U.S. government is like, Superman, you need to you need to go stop Batman. So Superman goes down to stop Batman. Batman fights him to a standstill and then induces a heart attack to fake his own death. Oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. And he almost gets away with, uh, gets away with it. But at the funeral, his uh, new Robin that he picks up in the story is, like, standing there waiting, basically waiting to dig him up, and his heart begins to beat again, and Superman, who was one of the last people there, like, stops and turns, and then smiles at Robin and walks away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, oh, man, that's sick. But okay. The reason I like it is it's a very Batman story, and it's very much the, this is Batman at his one of his best points when he is kind of grumpy, but he knows what the right Mm -hmm. thing is. When he plants himself like a tree by the river of truth and says, this is what's right. And he does the thing without getting too like in his own head about it. Like he's brutal. He's hurts the villains, but he's not doing it just for 
the pleasure of it. And he's not mm-hmm. self-hating. The other one I'm looking at is Wolverine Old Man Logan, which is a cl- is the Old Man Logan story. It's post-apocalyptic when one day all of the villains team up, wipe out all the heroes, and fast forward 60 years and or 40 years or whatever it is, and Logan gets drawn back into the fight after having been the one to slaughter the X-Men. Like, in the... The way the villains defeated the X-Men was they just straight up had Mysterio run his illusions and make Wolverine think he was fighting a bunch of villains when in actuality he was slaughtering the X-Men. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I, then I'm assuming he's dealing with, like, the collective guilt of that. So, like, 40 years like- later, Wolverine has never popped his, has not popped his claws since, still has a ton of guilt from it, but Hawkeye shows up and is like, hey... I've got a suitcase full of super soldier serum. I need you to get me to New York so that we can, the under the revolution can uh, have some super soldiers and we can overthrow Mm. the villains. Hi, Jinx and Sue. Those are both pretty good stories. Remind me really quick how the Batman one ends again. Uh, Can you you wind that one back again for me? Batman one ends with uh, Batman faking his own death. Okay. So So he he fakes his own death. Continue the war. Okay. I'm going to go with The Dark Knight Returns. I'm going to settle on that. Because it's also Why does over... a good job. I'm choosing You're it over picking... because it's the... DC over Marvel, my friend. That's uh, that's an interesting choice for you. For the best graphic novel at the moment, yeah. And I, it's one of those answers that would change, right? Like, it'll shift mm-hmm. around a little bit. But I'm looking kind of what's on my shelf. And of the stuff I can see on my shelf... I honestly probably have more, like, Batman graphic novels that I'm really like, oh, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, Because, like, I've got a an Avengers Endless Wartime graphic novel, which is a story about, oh, up in, like, Norway, they dug up a ancient World War II Nazi project that was using an Asgardian monster as a weapon, and so it's Captain America and Thor reminiscing on war as they go to fight this thing. Um, I've got a couple Spider-Man ones, one of which is Spider-Man Life Story, which is a really fun read where, uh, the author wrote Spider-Man at, like, different points in his life, but instead of using the sliding scale where he stays like a young adult, he did it in real time from when Peter Parker gets bitten to the present day. So in the Mm -hmm. present day, Peter's an old man. (laughs) Oh shit! Yeah, he would. Well, wait. He would be what, like, seventy or something? Yeah, and he's still in like decent enough shape because superpowers, but he's gray, mm-hmm. and like the entire universe like ages with him. So like the Vietnam War is uh complicated because Iron Man and a couple of the Avengers are fighting for America. But Captain America went in there and went, fuck this, nobody's correct, and is just saving everybody's lives. Oh, that's funny. Okay, interesting. I love that. It touches on a lot of, like, the classic Spider-Man stories with slightly different twists on it because of the changing time, like, scale. So, like, Scarlet Spider is a, like, the Clone Saga is still a thing, except... When the Clone Saga is happening, it's that Norman Osborn had ordered the clones to be made, and Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker are married. And, like, the relationship he has with Mary Jane is a lot more strained. At one point, like, they have twins, but because of the Secret Wars, which was a 1980s event, like, it happens in real time. So Peter is gone for months, and afterwards she ta- she shows back up and she's like, "I'm out, I'm gone." So she takes the kids and leaves. Um, Damn. Peter's Aunt May doesn't make it to the modern day. Let's be real; she ends up with dementia. <laughs> no, Aunt May, no. But yeah. So this is that's like. Was this guy, and this guy was writing them, like, 
he wasn't writing them in real time himself, right? No. Like this was like this no, is this like is a, a story a he wrote as a like okay, what if like starting from 1966, Peter Parker lived his life and the Marvel universe moved forward in real time. So like wow. Flash Thompson goes off to fight in Vietnam and doesn't come back. Oh shit. Um in in 74 doesn't come back. In let's see if I can find another year point. Uh in 1995 uh Doc Ock is an old man and Peter Parker has his own Parker Industries that makes a lot of tech stuff, but Tony Stark is still a weapons manufacturer and kind of an asshole and tries to buy him out. Um, the Norman Osborn like barely remembers anything, and you fast forward to like the modern day, when one of the more modern stories, Spider-Man's getting hunted by a. Um, or like the the superhero civil war. <laughs> the superhero civil war is really kind of dumb because it's a bunch of old farts fighting each other. <laughs> <laughs> like, like okay. Um, like it's Captain America on one side, Iron Man on the other, but they've been around since the like sixties. So Tony Stark looks old. <laughs> But like, um, I mean, like Captain America's because Stark's uh, super like, duper wealthy, and Captain America's like a super soldier. So it's like, did did this? I'm assuming the stories address like their the the kind of like uh, the like a they have like helping them out, right? Like, not really, because it's it's a Spider-Man story, and it's really like snapshots of his life, right? Like, it's not all the way through. Okay. It's like here's this year story, and then let's fast forward ten years or whatever it is. But, like, when Captain America shows up to save Spider-Man from Iron Man, it's... Cap looks fine, because he's Captain America Super Soldier. Hawkeye is gray with a beard. Luke Cage has a gray beard. Cloak has a gray beard. It's so <laughs> They're awesome. They're all just graying and old. Looking like a bunch of classic Greek statues. Yeah. Dude, I don't know why it just occurred to me. It would actually be a really interesting plot line to have Peter Parker get uh, drafted in Vietnam and he has to go fight over there as a uh, soldier. They actually wrestle with that. Parker, like, for a while, Spider-Man works for Mr. Fantastic and asks the question of, like, hey, we have these great powers, don't we have a responsibility to go over and fight the war and, like, end it? No, I mean, though, like, he should, like, get drafted, like, Peter Parker gets his draft oh. number called and has to go Ooh. fight in Vietnam, but he's still Spider-Man. Like, to what so end? how Why does he do that? Story? I think it would be an interesting, like, um, because it would force him into a position where, like, he's not the only hero. Like, do you, uh, he did is, you ever watch mm -hmm. that, uh, or you remember that uh, war movie featuring Andrew Garfield? Where he's a uh, protest, like, he's a pacifist. Axar Ridge. I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. I'm pretty sure that's basically what would happen. <laughs> that's, like, I mean... He would rescue people, and he would help them, but he's not going to murder anyone. Oh, man, you don't think so? No. It would be interesting. Like... I think it would just be interesting for him to. I, I think you. I think you're right. Like I think he probably he wouldn't. A conscientious it might be, objector. That's what it would be. It might be interesting if he accidentally kills somebody out of like fear. You know mm. what I mean? Um, like if there's a circumstance, maybe you know. I think uh, like the idea of like a Vietnam veteran Spider-Man is fascinating. Like I think that is interesting. I think the problem um, I'm seeing with it, just based on what I know of Spider-Man, is he, there's basically two routes you go down with it. One is he ends up basically just being the Spider-Man we all know and love. He doesn't kill anyone, he has his powers, and he's got his spider sense, so he really knows when he's really in danger, and he can dodge and flip out of the way. I mean, we're talking about a hero fast enough to really catch a bullet if he wants to. Mm -hmm. um, the other end of it is when he does get more violent, where it's what if Spider-Man became the Punisher, or 
Uh, there's one where Spider-Man, like, became an assassin for S.H.I.E.L.D. And he's just brutally dark. No empathy left. Just does what needs to be done. And we're talking about Spider-Man that, like, have guns inside their web shooters. Interesting. I don't know. It, it, the end result of what if in that scenario just isn't enough for me to really, like... Why? What? What is? What about it's, him being in that war? Is is interesting? Is interesting versus anything else? Right? Like, it's interesting it's like, to put Captain America in it because Captain America would see that war not as the one he fought in World War Two, but as like this is a mess. We're killing each other needlessly. This needs to stop. Peter Parker is too questioning of whether he should be involved or not in the first place due to his power set. Like I was talking about. He's asking the question of, we have great power, don't we have responsibility to use it? He's more, I think it's more interesting for him to not be involved. Like, I, no, I mean, from a voluntary basis, I agree. But if he was like, but when when does the first Spider-Man comic come out? Like, when, when did it come out? 60s. 66? So 66. So let's say Peter Parker is, what, 16 in 66? Mm-hmm. We'll say that. So five years go by, 1971. Uh, his number, now granted, he may not, uh, depending on when it's called, he may not have been old enough. But the, for me, Alex. the interesting thing is like, the, the interesting thing about it is the fact that it's like one of the first times his actual, like, I like he has to go and serve like his his quote unquote like his his secret identity his like regular him being regular Peter Parker is like for one of the first times having like a kind of real world effect on him that is not directly correlated with him being a superhero. Okay, this is this is him. I get it now. Right, like this is him being put into a situation that a regular person—it's not his a Spider-Man age, story; it's a Peter Parker not, story. Exactly, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, and it's like it's not like he wouldn't use his powers or anything like that, but he would be put into circumstances where he'd have to like navigate them carefully because he couldn't use them without discretion, and he's used to doing that already. But still. Um, and I just think it'd be kind of an interesting odyssey for the character to go on. I would, if I wrote something like that, I wouldn't make it canonical. Like I would make it its own self-contained thing, but I still think as like Peter Parker as both Peter Parker as Peter Parker and Peter Parker as Spider-Man kind of symbolizing kind of what you're talking about. This kind of like eternal, the eternal hope and promise of the American youth that being conscripted into Vietnam is like the story of Vietnam. And it would be a very like interesting. And I think like depthful story out of that, those like circumstances. See, now I'm seeing a story where they do a Marvel Vietnam kind of thing, but it's no powers. It's just Mm -hmm. a like, or like one person has powers, but like the squad is a bunch of characters, you know, and love where it's like, Oh yeah. You got Peter Parker drafted at a young age, but he's really good at finding and disarming traps. Like he's almost got a sixth sense about him for where the tra- where the landmines are. Okay, yeah, yeah, all right, I like that. So it's like all okay. that kind of stuff. It's like kind of winking at it or yeah. like hinting, but they don't have like power powers basically. Yeah, yeah. Is, I think is you end up with like one person who has powers. Like, yeah the fucking Doctor Strange or something. Or, like, Captain America or Wolverine. I think Wolverine is, like, the, uh... You get, like, an Inglorious Bastards type of thing together where, like, Wolverine is either, like, the leader or, like, the heavy or something like that in this kind of, like, squad that, like, the Vietnam Peter Parker, like, uh, finds himself, like, falling into. You know what I mean? Mm. It'd be, like, Inglorious Bastards meets, like, platoon or apocalypse now or something like that meets like obviously meets that like the marvel 
heroes. I, I agree with you. I think that would be kind of like cool. Um, and it'd be a very fun sort of like to make their powers more just sort of like fictional character traits it while still me of, uh, paying homage. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Marvel 1602. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was 1602. Uh, where it's a colonial times Marvel universe and the that was another good graphic novel. Um, but the Roanoke colony is like, it's the first colony. It almost gets destroyed, but is defended by the witch breed, AKA mutants, uh, Colonel Fury in her majesty's secret service and his <laughs> squire, Peter Parker. <laughs> Okay, I love that. All right, um, all right. The only people really with powers are the witch breed, but everybody else is just like their character. Yeah, see, I love stuff like that. That just it like it's still within the shape of the stories that we know, but it's like it's like just different enough where it's like, all right, this isn't like too gimmicky. Yeah. But it's also not too sort of like trying to be distant from like what it is. Like it's this nice golden zone. Um, I love that. Let's uh let's move on to one of our other segments. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, Better right. buddies recommend. We recommend a piece of media to enjoy. Let's talk about uh, not comics for a little bit. Yeah, let's we're uh well rj we are a comics podcast i thought we were a movie podcast we're every every podcast rj we're every podcast to be fair Uh, every fifth podcast on the internet is a movie podcast it's just just (laughs) one of those one of those famous internet rules yeah (laughs) right after rule 34 i was just gonna say and if you know what that is no you don't yeah yeah, you go touch grass if you know what that means. Um, said said James. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Um, I can talk about something. my recommendation. Let's hear what you got. Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, I see. Now that the big man's no longer here, you're gonna step in. You're gonna. To be fair, when uh-huh. the big man was first here, I hadn't gotten out of the tutorial. This is fair. Now that you are out of the tutorial, what do you oh, got to man, say? Oh, man, it's good. It's like getting on a bike. Oh, heck yeah. Okay. Um, Because, like, the world is the same map, but they added an upper sky layer and an underground layer. And the powers are different, but unique enough. And, like, today I was exploring this part of the sky area. And there was a platform with, like, a control stick piece you could attach to it and a couple of fans you could attach and some batteries okay so i literally attached them all to this floating platform and flew the platform across the gap as oh that's this big awesome box with some fans on it all right so uh, some real wright brothers stuff oh yeah going on here and like i've been exploring to the north but i'm thinking i need to take some adventures down south and just expand my map out a little bit so like what do you think for you is the most appealing game mechanic as somebody? Cause I know that you've played legend of Zelda games before, but neither of us are as experienced as John is. So like for you as somebody who's like, um, still like a consistent gamer, but maybe not at that level of like John in terms of this particular series, what are the draws for you? One, I like open worlds. Okay. Um, one of my favorite games of all time is fallout four. I like an open mm. world. Two. Yes, yes. It is challenging without ever being uh, impossible, right? Um, I don't. I'm not big on the puzzles. The puzzles annoy me more than often than I enjoy them, because it's just like, okay, yeah, let me do an, another puzzle, another mm-hmm. another puzzle. And sometimes they don't always make the most sense or like they get too clever with it and you overlook the simple solutions and mm-hmm. 
Um, but I like the open world and I like the, like I was saying, you just, if you run into a challenging area, turn around and go home. Like the, the map challenge is not based on, oh, this area. And it's actually something I do really well about is with a lot of open world games, it'll be like, oh, in Fallout, you have the starting town and in concentric circles, as you move towards out of the, across the map, it gets more challenging. So if you had... Because the starting town is in the upper left corner. So if you head straight down, you'll get to the most challenging point. If you head straight across, you'll get to the most challenging point. And if you head straight diagonally, you'll get to the most challenging point at the three corners of the map. But everything's mm-hmm. easier as you move inward towards the starting town. Whereas with, like, Tears of the Kingdom, it's a map where it's not a difficult map-wise in terms of, like, oh... If you go to this area, it's going to be harder than this area. It's difficult in terms of what are you trying to do? So, like, here's a camp of enemies, and they're pretty weak. Over here is another enemy, and he's very strong. They're both in the same spot. But you can also just go out of your way and go around both of them and don't even worry about it. (laughs) Okay, so options. Mm -hmm. You don't have to follow this linear path. There is literally zero linear path. Um, I think it. this game itself is more linear, though, because, like, with Breath of the Wild, you could straight up just, like, finish the tutorial and run right to the final boss. It, you get fucked up along the way because you had zero, like, three hearts total. But if you really tried, you could get all the way to the final boss and fight him. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, you can't do that. It's got a little bit more of a linear story to it. Okay. So there are there are still guidelines. There are guidelines but... and narratives, but it is not a, like, linear game. Yeah, it's, like, not what you would say is intrusive, essentially. Yes. That's nice. That's kind of a good balance, honestly. That's sort of what you want it to be. Yeah. And I... We'll probably spend a lot of my weekend playing it. Very nice. Very, very you? nice. What do you got? Um. Okay, I don't think I've done this one before. I don't think I have, but I, I can't remember. So as, as with quite a few of my recommendations, I apologize if I've done this one before. But I just rewatched this movie, and I think people should know about it. Uh, it's called The Nice Guys. Um. Have you ever seen this movie, RJ? No. I think you would like this movie quite a bit. Um, the Nice Guys stars Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Uh, okay. It was made, I think, in like 20... It's like 2018 or 2019, I want to say. Maybe 2017. I can't remember exactly. But basically, uh, it is set in 1977, Los Angeles. Uh, and it follows uh, Russell Crowe, who is sort of this... Um, this fixer, uh, basically, like you know, like if a guy is uh, harassing your wife and you don't know how to get him to stop, or if you need someone to pay someone else a visit to tell him to knock something uh, something off, you hire Russell Crowe, uh, and he comes to uh, that person's door and he gets him to stop. Um, and uh, so he's this kind of like the thing is, is that he feels guilty about this. Uh, and he is sort of like a fixer with a heart of gold. Um, uh, Ryan Gosling is this kind of like frumpy, scatterbrained, kind of like, uh, I don't, I I apologize because this is kind of a crass term, but it's kind of true. Like it's kind of this like limp dick detective basically where he like, he doesn't, he doesn't really have a shit together. Um, and he's trying to figure, he's trying to get it together. He's trying to figure it out. Um, and these two meet by chance and they kind of pair up to work together, uh, on this case, trying to track down, uh, this missing young woman. And there's like a greater plot that's going on, but, uh, I'm not going to give like too much away. Um, I really like it. It is like, uh, you know, it's kind of like an action adventure buddy comedy. Um, 
Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling are genuinely fun to watch together. Uh, there's a great supporting cast. Uh, Margaret Qualley is in it. She's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, and she's in uh, she's like in a bunch of other stuff too. But she's she's a talented actress. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was the hippie girl that Brad Pitt oh, that uh, kind of forms a connection with. Correct, Mundo. Um, she's also weird movie. That movie's awesome. I love it's that good. movie. It, a little weird. Oh, it's it's weird, but it's. It was also oh, the first time I noticed the Quentin Tarantino foot fetish thing, and I was like, "All right, we didn't need that." Yeah, he puts it right out in front of you in that one. He wants you to really know. Um, but, but uh, she's yeah. So she's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She's also in this movie, um, in The Nice Guys. Uh, what is her name? Uh, uh, Angerine. Is it Angerine or Angerie Rice or something like that? She's uh she plays uh, Ryan Gosling has a daughter and she plays his kind of like young daughter who's like kind of his sort of occasional chipper like sidekick uh, though he finds you know uh, he's reluctant about this. Um, I can't imagine and- why as a detective teaming up with a fixer yeah he's yeah it's it it's you know it's great it's a great dynamic uh crow and gosling i think bounce off of each other relatively well um there are some there are some parts of it that it feels like maybe a little i don't know how to say this like it's it this is gonna sound really weird but like um a little too cheaply shot in a Mm. quick sense it feels like it doesn't always spend as much time as it could with certain subjects or on certain shots even um it just feels very like we're going from here to here to here to here and now um i and now we're done i would like a little bit more time you know that is the nice thing about something like once upon a time in hollywood is like you get to kind of stay in the shot just for a little bit you could stay in the scene take it all in and when something quick happens you really notice it it really draws your attention and when something is getting drawn out you're able to just kind of sit back and watch it unfold uh, i wish the nice guys had more of that sort of pace it is very interesting because the nice guys came out i think like two years before actually once upon a time in hollywood so i think it was 2017 and it uh it's a very similar plot, you know, kind of this sort of like uh, tough, uh, gritty, but like lovable, uh, gruff sort of uh, fixer type guy paired with a neurotic, um, handsome, but kind of schlubby uh, scatterbrain dude who's trying to get his life together. Um, and they're kind of driving around Los Angeles uh, trying to figure everything out. Now, granted, once upon a time, Hollywood is set in '69, and this movie is set eight years after that. But still, it, th- there are interesting similarities. Margaret Qualley is in both movies. It's interesting, but if you say it's interesting enough times, does that make it true? Uh that's an interesting idea, RJ. We'll <laughs> just have to see. Anyway, wrapping up my little spiel here, um, I would suggest that people check this movie out. It's a Shane Black movie. He did a really great film as well with Robert Downey Jr. It was called Iron Man. Uh, It was called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, It was Iron Man 2. It was Iron Man 3. Yes, Correctamundo. But he's he's good. He's kind of a a little bit of a slept on uh, screenwriter to a degree in in a wider screenwriter and director in a wider sense. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Like He's not really a household name. Did he shoot a shot and miss uh probably a little bit of both but but still but still um and the nice guys is like it's just a good solid movie uh to watch um when you just want to unwind so uh plus it's got kind of a little heartwarming uh arc to it so i would uh, recommend it nice uh that's a that's a good recommendation. Thank you, sir. I enjoyed yours as well. Pats on the back to everybody. Break Pats out the champagne. The we yes, did it. we did it. We we, we got through we part watched. of our uh, part of our 
show notes. <laughs> it's an achievement. We're doing it. Woo! Victory. Royale. With Flawless cheese. victory. Yeah. The Royale with cheese. You're man, you're full of the uh, Tarantinos tonight, aren't you? The you know a, a, uh, oh, there's a joke here somewhere of victory royale with cheese. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got it. I, the problem is I've got the punchline. I need the setup. You know, what's the what do the what do the French call a gold medal? What do they call a gold medal in France? I don't know. Victory royale with it's cheese. Be more video game connected, right? Of like, oh. What do they call, uh, okay. What do the French call a, uh, 1KD ratio? What do they call it? A victory royale with cheese. (laughs) Oh, those Frenchies. They're so creative. I love it. That's good. Log that one in the book. That's That's an episode title right there. (laughs) Victory royale with cheese. Oh, cheese. Yeah. Which relates to basically nothing we've talked about so far. No, no, but that's the whole point: is that it's, 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 it's the essence of the this this conversation's vibe. You know what I mean? Sometimes the title just has to evoke uh, a feeling rather than necessarily uh, uh, make rational sense. Sometimes the title's just a title. This is also true. Sometimes the curtains are just yellow or blue or whatever. It's blue. Okay. The wallpaper is yellow. The wallpaper is yellow. You're right. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Okay. I'm doing fine. I mean, to be fair, uh, last week's episode was literally just Legend of Podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good, though. And the That's one a before good that was Intellectual Explorers. <laughs> Ooh. And the one before we that sound... was uh, Tessellating Turtles All the Way Down. See that one's good though. That's great. That sounds like a. That almost sounds like a King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard album. That's oh my god, that's it perfecto. Does. Episode one seventy eight was Doctor Wright, and I don't know what that was about. Uh, discuss things you should not fake until you make a doctor that solves all problems by amputating the right hand. I that's I remember. Right. I have <laughs> a fragment of this conversation. Right. <laughs> Damn, we do have some good ones out here. The Bible of... I don't know, I still like Voltron House Neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I like uh, Y2K USA is is sick. That's a catchy title. That is. Dante's Divine Comedy Club is amazing. Um, Oh, you weren't on for that episode. I wasn't on for that one. That was me and Eli. Oh, I should listen to this one. You should, because we talked. We Eli pitched the idea of a uh, comedian going through Dante's Inferno. Oh, okay. I love that as like a like a story, like a movie yeah. idea or something like that. Oh my gosh! Think, yes, okay. I think I ended on like we should make this. This should be a Netflix special series where each Netflix special is the continuing story of this one guy going through. Of this one down like comedian going through all the various like levels of comedy hell. And then I uh, love Dave that. Chappelle is the devil himself. Because <laughs> he is the Lord of Comedy. Oh man. Okay, I can dig. I can dig that for sure. Lord of Stand Up. Dave Chappelle would he would he would play that role well too. He's got the voice for it. <laughs> I'd love that. Do we want to do a rework rewrite this week? Um, I honestly feel like we did a little mini one with the with the Peter Parker Vietnam Fair. thing, but we could we could uh we could try another one. It's been a while since we've done a rework rewrite. Um let's think here. Let's think real hard. I think we leave the Peter Parker Vietnam thing where it is. I think we yeah. kinda we kinda got that one. Um, let me, let me, let me consider, let me think. Hmm. Now that I need an idea, one's not coming to me and I don't like it. I know. 
It's hard. Wait. Usually we have. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think I might have something to jog some inspiration, and it's gonna okay. be weird. Let's do it. Yeah. <clears throat> let's go. Erotic horror story about grapefruit. Hmm. RJ, we can't get all all random XD with this here. You're gonna have to give me something a substance. We need some Look, ground to work on. What do you mean? It's based on a conversation I was having with someone earlier today, where okay. uh, they were going to a um. Where's the, I need to pull up a little bit back further. Uh, they are they were going to a like an author place. Mm-hmm. There was going to be an author there. Okay. They were very excited. And okay. it's a book talk. That's what they're going to a book talk. They were going to see an author. Mm-hmm. But another author led with a short story containing erotic horror. We were grapefruit or something. So my question was an erotic horror story about grapefruit. So I don't know anything about it except the concepts of erotic horror and grapefruit. Okay, I do like the idea of. Oh, okay. I, I, okay. I know. Where, I know how to ground this. Okay. It's breakfast. It, I'm think I'm seeing this as a short story or like a short video. Okay. Um, like like something you do for a 24 hour film festival, you know. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. And it's horror. It's like psychological thriller horror version uh, uh, centered around breakfast. Like, it's the morning after a one-night stand, and they sit down and are having breakfast. Oh. And, <laughs> like, navigating that. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, I kind of love this. I could very much see this as a... Uh... I don't know if you've seen anything by him. Do you know who Paul Verhoeven is at all? The name or sounds no? familiar. He did uh, RoboCop. Mm. Um, he did RoboCop. He did Starship Troopers. He also did. Uh, he did this. He did this movie called uh, Basic Instincts, which is like a very famous uh, sort of erotic uh, psychological thriller uh, with Michael Douglas and Sharon Tate. Um, so he also did Breakfast. Yeah, exactly. It's Basic Instinct, but breakfast. It's like if the characters from Basic Instinct were having a breakfast together, and but instead, it's like I'm I'm picturing like a young, like I'm picturing this in like one of those like, uh, one of those like okay but still little dirty slash grimy like college kitchens. You know mm, what I mean? Yep. Probably in some. Probably not in a small town, maybe in a small town-ish. It looks like it could be anywhere, but we're going to assume that it's probably in, like, a mid-size city. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I'm picturing, like, a Milwaukee-type thing, honestly. Like, something yeah. a little... A little... It's not New uh, York or Chicago or L.A. Yes. But it's also yeah. not your town of 15,000. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, like... And that's just the feeling we get. And it's, like, these two, like, college-age kids who are sitting down i say age them like, up a little bit okay Just so like touch, like mid-20s like mid-20s mid-20s kids who are like we'll say young professionals who are just yeah. sitting down to breakfast after a one-night stand um and okay and i i think part of it is that i think the ending is that everybody goes home safe for the moment. Okay. Like, all right. All right. You don't get a real answer on is the like owner of the home actually a psychotic like murderer. Mm-hmm. But the entire, like, and I don't see this as being more than like an hour. Right. It's a, it's a short film. Yeah, no, I saw this as, I saw this as literally being like maybe 10 minutes like oh, not okay. even yeah. like if we're if we're thinking like a short short yeah, film perfect. if we're thinking like a short like yeah like 10 maybe um, 15 um and like it's just it's all the confidence and charisma of when you meet the person the night before and mm-hmm. in the next morning it's just a little too like they're still doing it mm-hmm. they still have that 
the lines and the carry themselves, but because it's the light of day, it's become a little more threatening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the way they yeah. set things down, and the way they hand you things, and the way they, like, are preparing things. You get, like, they're buttering the toast, but it zooms in and kind of slows down, and you hear the scrape of the knife on the toast. <laughs> That's perfect. Someone cuts the grapefruit, like, a little too hard, a little they're too fast. They're both over. It's a thud. That's why. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's basic instinct, but they're not psychopaths. They're just both really hungover. <laughs> but that's that's also yeah. part of it too, is they're hungover. So I kind of love that. The person who like we're seeing the point of view from is like, oh my god, I just want to go home. I want to get out of here. What if what if they don't want? What if they're they try and keep me here? What if they're like. It's, it's rude for me to really turn down the breakfast, but now they're making, like, an elaborate breakfast. Yeah, at... I think it should it should be her house, too, I think. Oh, it should be her house. I think it should be her house. Oh, I was I thinking think it should be his. No, I, I'm thinking of she wants to leave, the... and he is the one who's like, no, 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 stay, I'll make breakfast. I'm, and it I'm was thinking... like, okay... I'm thinking of this as, like, the guy, like, the guy is there, and she is, like... It's her place, and she is, like, uncomfortable to have him there, but she knows it's, like, it's, like, all right, I guess this is the thing I'm supposed to do, but we're both, like, they're both, like, going through the motions. They feel really gross. I imagine him as literally in, like, like a bathrobe, like a loose white T-shirt and boxers, and he's got, like, sunglasses that are like loosely like just sloppily like framed on his face and i imagine i i do imagine him genuinely maybe this is like a little too much but i imagine him like he's just got like a loose cigarette in the corner of his mouth that's like burning down and she's like clearly no nope no two out of two out of period no 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 it is i don't think I James. don't think so at all. I completely disagree. James, I, I know you have a fetish for cigarettes, but come on. <laughs> I have a passion, my friend. I I uh, don't synonyms. I don't think it. And she's <laughs> making good. synonym rolls. Jeez. <laughs> I, I I guess like I the reason I'm doing it is because I want to cast him as like completely disinterested and doing everything he can to like shove her away. And she is like sort of I would love it too if like like she actually, you know, she ends up making the stuff. They sit down, they have this breakfast. It's nothing, it's not it's actually not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. Like it actually it looks just a little bit nice, even though like she wasn't trying at all. And he even maybe helps a little bit. Like it's not that bad. And as he's like, as he's you know, he leaves. Like he's getting his stuff. He leaves. He's been wearing these sunglasses the whole time. He takes them off. He has to, he's, he's outside her, you know, goes out the front door. She's watching him go standing on her porch. It's actually kind of like a sunny summery type day out. Um, you know, maybe like 10 30, 11 o'clock. He turns around, he takes sunglasses off. He's still got the cigarette in his mouth. He takes the sunglasses off. And he He's sees her. Off three pairs of sunglasses by this point, James. Let's keep moving. Well, n- no, 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 no. <laughs> He's had them on the whole time. This is the first time he's taken yes. them off. And he, sorry, he, uh, he sees her for the first time, and his expression softens. Mm. The cigarette falls out of his mouth. He stubs it out. No. And then it ends. I think we're getting a little too far away from the horror part. Damn. I thought you said you wanted people to walk away okay. Well, I I want... The way I was picturing it was more that, like, the person who wants to leave gets to the door and the door closes behind them, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we end with the door closed. So, like, they got away safe and okay, but it's the... You never got... the, The... It's up to audience interpretation of, is the person who made breakfast a murderer? <laughs> okay. I, like, I like that angle. Yeah. Is th- was this just the first enticement to luring the victim into the web? Or was it just an awkward hungover breakfast the next morning? 
which is why you get the like close-ups of the scrape of the knife on the toast, the thunk as they cut the grapefruit in half, the uh like the weird things they say of I don't know, like the the stuff they say that just is a little too chipper and a little too forced as the person who wants to leave is sitting in the chair going like God, come on, let me out of here. Yeah. Just, we don't, you don't need to get the sugar out. The grapefruit is fine. Like, no, I don't. Yeah, sure. I'll take an egg. Yeah, but they're not, it can't be, they're being, they should be, it's like they're trying to be polite, but it's, it yes. that is forced to, right? Yes. Like, okay. In yeah, their yeah. head, they're doing the like, come on, come on, come on, let's go. Let me yeah. out of here. But outwardly, they're being very polite. Uh, like a strained politeness yeah yeah i see that yeah it's like uh so it's not like the intent like the pushing away like you were setting up with a guy of like he's kind of almost trying to come across as gross and unattractive it's the we are at least for the the one point of view we're gonna have it's the i am stuck in this situation it is more rude for me to just get up and walk out the door and i was raised to be a polite individual but come on, let's go. Hurry up and wait. Yeah. And it's like, but the, 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 that is mingled with this like little curdling fear. It's like, is this person like crazy? Yeah. <laughs> is this person like, it's, insane? It's the, I, I don't have any offhand, but it's those offhanded comments people will make where it, like they'll do it all the time in like TV shows where it's like, you said you were going to do like, you had to get the axe. And they're like, yeah, there was a dead branch I had to cut down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, very much. Are you saying there's a scenario like that? Or are you I'm saying, saying there's like, like there's a feeling, but also a lot of those innocuous comments come up where mm-hmm. the, the, the anxiety that's been building in the entire situation should make either the viewer or the point of view character go, wait, what? They're going to do what? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, uh, I can I can I can see it. Like I th- I, this here's is... my working title. Okay. Grapefruit dirge. <laughs> All right. That's got my stamp of approval. I'm in. I like it. I can very much see it. It's funny how you can pull several different little stories out of that one scenario. You know what I mean? Like we've got a little psychosexual thriller and then kind of like a feel good, uh, almost like coming of agey type thing. uh, Uh, flick. That reminds me of an article I was reading a little bit today on how somebody was saying like the next stage of like streaming and content, creation or capitalism or some shit like that um Mm -hmm. was going to be psyops capitalism where you remember the white the black and blue or white and gold dress shit yeah the article was talking about how apparently that generated so much revenue for the people who covered it that uh buzzfeed actually centered its some of its like intrinsic like here's how we model ourselves around the events of that on how they're like generate content and interaction uh and the author was basically saying like talking to an artist and the artist was like yeah i think our next stage is psyops where netflix will create a show and it will be slightly different to the two different people who view it based on their perceptions Oh, man. <laughs> so this is just the first example of that, where we have this 10-15 this minute movie, but depending on your perception and what version of it you get, you either get the psycho killer thriller or the coming-of-age story. Yeah. You could even mesh the two of them because it's like maybe there could be the third interpretation where maybe the person who's trapped is also a killer. And that moment of connection at the very end is uh, them realizing they found the only other person just like them. 
a little I, bit of a cop out, maybe. But I gotta throw something at you. Okay. Though. The third one, though, is the person who's trying to leave as the killer, and mm-hmm. they are being—they're scared by how nice their host is being. Oh, they're like, uh, why would that? Why would they be scared? Well, because it's—they're not used to it, right? Like, someone is being nice to them and showing them a kindness they have never received before. They are the quintessential, like, serial killer, uh, beaten by my parents, and monster, psychotic. And this person is just being nice. And they keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it's not dropping, and it's not dropping, and it's not dropping. And then they leave and have that moment of connection. That you're talking about. That is a good one. That's a really good one, actually. Very innocent. Except for the fact that it's a uh, psychotic killer. Yeah, except for that. Oh, psyop capitalism. What if I told you already, RJ, that that was capitalism? You know, kind of a redundant title, honestly. <laughs> what if I told you to go suck eggs, you commie bastard? Uh, I would tell you, uh, you know... Those are actually really good uh, for you. They got a lot of protein. Ostrich egg, then you commie bastard. I'd love to eat an ostrich egg. I'd love to have a a hard boiled ostrich egg. Hell yeah, dude! What do you mean no? What do you mean no? Pot. You get a big pot then. (laughs) Ostrich eggs are pretty damn big, aren't they? Yeah, of course they are, but they just get a big pot. There's got to be a. (laughs) There there have to be pots big enough for an ostrich egg. You can get a turkey fryer. A turkey fryer. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I could I guess I could do that, but I don't want to fry the egg. No, no, no. You don't have to put no a tur okay. Turkey frying pot is just a big pot. Oh really? Yeah. Like you don't have to put oil in it. My scout trooper used it to boil water in the mornings so that we could like make coffee and stuff. Then yeah, I would Well that sounds cozy. Then I would get one of those. Man, camping. Would you go camping again sometime? Oh, we're all together. I would do that in a heartbeat. Get some, get some brewskis. Get some, get some fishing poles. I'm not fishing. Some s'mores. What do you mean you're not fishing? I don't like fishing. I mean, you don't like fishing. I just never really liked it. I think I'm too scared of getting a hook in my thumb. Like I grew up around enough fishing where I heard all the horror stories of like, oh yeah, my grandpa got a the hook stuck in his thumb again and it's like god damn i don't want that under my thumbnail fuck off yeah it was, i think it doesn't it help is. either that like fishing was very rarely ever like oh we're two people in a boat fishing it was always like here's five or six people in a boat all with fishing rods and yeah, there are hooks chaotic. flying every which way <laughs> oh man my dad used to take us fishing quite a bit I I would love to. It's been a long time since I've gone. I would love to get back into it. Honestly, I could see myself doing that, like consistently for sure. Yeah, nah. I would do that for sure. Nope. What you uh, do? What are your camp? What are your camping activities then? What do you hike. do? I'm typically a hiker, or just like hang out with people, walk around, talk around, chill. Muse, muse yeah. under the pines Reed. in the fresh open air. Oh, that's nice. Reading outside while camping is a sublime feeling. It is very hard to beat that. Very, right. very hard. Well, on that note, uh, it's time for us to wrap it up. Let's do it. Let's wrap it all up in a nice bow. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me, Archie. Thank you to the band Problem of Interest for letting us use the song Living in the Moment off the album Cross Off Yesterday. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are sold. We're also on social media. Our Facebook is Better Buddies. We have our meme Mondays. Our Twitter is at BetterBudCast. Use the hashtag BetterBuddies when you tweet about the show. And our Gmail account is BetterBuddiesCast at gmail.com. You can send us fan art, hate art, fan mail, hate mail, declarations of love and or war, icebreakers you want us to answer, questions you need advice on, or story ideas you want us to flesh out, as we just proved we can flesh out any story idea you give us. And last but not least, be a better buddy. 
we're infinitely back. more interesting than the X-Men comic I'm reading. Holy shit. Oh, oh. is it new or is it older it's or what old. is it? The Oh. Marvel had a lot of successes when it started. X-Men was not one of them. Oh. Like their first ones Aww. were good, right? Like and then yeah. after the first like 15 to 20 issues they they were just really phoning it in on the writing teams. And like they keep they couldn't come up with enough mutant menaces. So they were just like, "Oh, the latest menace, it's Merlin the magician." Whoa. But he's calling himself the Warlock after fighting Thor. I like that, though. I like... Dude, I love when uh, franchises give up a little bit. I think... Or, like, stories in general. I think it's awesome. It can be if it was fun. But it's not. But it's not because it's very tedious and nothing...